So I usually try to understand that um, if someone is not really open to something, there's no point trying to push something onto them because they will never internalize or accept it. So what I do is I try to explain the reasons behind it. Um, why is it useful? What can you learn about yourself by studying this? You don't have to be a fanatic because there's so much more about you than your type. There's even a distinction here. If you go a bit deeper into the theory, some say that it's not even a personality theory. It's just a type theory. So more so than personality, mm. it's something that describes the way that you think, the way that you perceive what is going on, the way mm. that you make decisions. And your personality can be very different because there's other measures right. that describe it. I totally understand it because like in the beginning when somebody tells you about the test, it kind of makes it feel like people are trying to like read into your brain and like analyze mm -hmm. your personality without actually spending enough time with you to get to know you deeply mm -hmm. and so people tend to be very like against that some people not everyone mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and like yeah. how do you how do you deal with that like on your day-to-day -day life as someone who's like such a believer in the psychology aspect of this mm -hmm. and you believe in it and you're trained in it and you know all that how mm -hmm. do you explain that to people so I usually try to understand that um, if someone is not really open to something, there's no point trying to push something onto them because they will never internalize or accept it. So what I do is I try to explain the reasons behind it. Um, why is it useful? What can you learn about yourself by studying this? You don't have to be a fanatic because there's so much more about you than your type. There's even a distinction here. If you go a bit deeper into the theory, some say that it's not even a personality theory. It's just a type theory. So more so than personality, mm -hmm. it's something that describes the way that you think, the way that you perceive what is going on, the way mm -hmm. that you make decisions. And your personality can be very different because there's other measures right. that describe it. Yeah, I like that. And um, and like the t I, I actually really like that a lot. It's like it's not so much your personality because let's say all the little things that go into making you who you are from the moment you're born, all those little moments of your memories, the family you were raised in, the school you went to, the neighborhood you were grown in, all those little things make your personality. Whereas your type is more so just kind of like a blueprint of very certain things like whether you're extroverted or introverted um how you receive information from your environment and like how you make decisions like how conscientious and organized you really are just kind of like not as deep as like oh all of your personality is just summarized in these four letters yeah of course not and even within the same type you will meet people um, who both share the same code, right? Let's say they're both, I don't know, ESFJs, mm -hmm. but they can behave very differently mm -hmm. because as you said, things related to environment, upbringing, culture, education, gender, uh, and other personality things like the Enneagram, for example, it's a complementary theory. And I really like noticing how sometimes different pairings, MBTI and Enneagram pairings can look quite different mm -hmm. because um, there are certain like motivations behind what those people do. And the, they definitely influence the way that they appear. Like not fully, you can still notice the patterns um, that make that person a certain type, but there's a, a very broad spectrum of things that you need to take into account. Even things like attachment style. Right. Uh, people who have an anxious attachment style can have very specific behaviors to that. And you might confuse it for, let's say, the extroverted feeling function, which is not 
necessarily mm-hmm. the case. Not right. always. Yeah, I agree. And um, you just brought up a, a function. And um, I want to ask you for people in the audience who probably don't know what the cognitive functions are. Mm-hmm. Can you just like kind of go over them quickly and like summarize them and mm-hmm. say like each one of them and what they specifically do or are meant for? Yeah, sure. So basically, these cognitive functions are mental processes. And that's very important to understand. They're not behavior per se. When we try to understand them, we don't look at what someone does, but more so at how someone thinks, how someone processes information or deals with information. Of course, they also have an impact on your behavior to some extent, but it's important to draw the distinction. And in the original uh, theory created by Carl Jung, um, he distinguished between two types of processes. Uh, processes that enable us to gather information. I like to call them passive processes because it's how we take things in, right? And then the other half of the processes are the active processes or the ones that enable us to make decisions. So we have that information inside of us because we took it from the environment. Now, what are we going to do with it? How are we going to turn it into something, a decision usually? Um, In the first category, so this uh, passive functions or perception functions, perceiving as he called them, we've got intuition and sensing. Um, And all people have both intuition and sensing. It's just that we have a preference for Mm -hmm. one over the other. We use one more naturally than the other. Um, And both of them can be both extroverted and introverted. So we have four perceiving functions, extroverted intuition and introverted intuition, extroverted sensing, introverted sensing, right? And then in the other group, we've got the active functions, the decision-making ones, thinking and feeling. Again, we all have both, but we have a preference of one over the other. And again, they can be um, extroverted or introverted. That's how we have the eight cognitive functions that we know in the in the model. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you asked me to describe what they are. Right. So <clears throat> if we start with the sensing functions, uh, we've got extroverted sensing or SE. This is the function that helps people um, respond to the immediate environment, to use their senses to connect with what is going on around them, right. uh, to perceive concrete things around them. Right. Sorry, um, just quickly, um, I want to interrupt. So listeners, as you guys are listening to all of these functions, think to yourself which ones resonate with you the most. You can kind of like put a check mark in your uh, in your mind like, "Ooh, I relate to that. That's a lot like me. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's a good point. So, um, yeah, extroverted sensing is all about responding and reacting to the environment. People who have a preference for this function are very likely to be very good at responding immediately Mm -hmm. to whatever is going on around them, acting on their feet, being very good with improvisation, um, and kind of just navigating the world in this sense. It's it's more than that, but it's just a a general idea. Uh, Then we've got introverted sensing, the pair, um, the other sensory function. This one is more concerned with comparing um, current experiences with past experiences. So basing what I'm experiencing right now, based on what I've already done in the past, mm-hmm. things that I'm already accustomed to, tried and, and kind true. of stabilizing, exactly, the, the trend test, tried and tested, right. exactly. Um, that's why a lot of people tend to associate this function with a uh, past orientation or mm-hmm. tradition or rules. Traditional. Although it's not like it's, this is just a stereotype and yeah. it's not really the whole picture, but you yeah. get the idea yeah. why it pushes you to think about it. And like out of 10 times, you don't have to be like that 10 times. You just only have to be like that, like maybe six times, just like a little bit more than half for you to have more of a, you know, you're more tilted that way towards mm-hmm. being traditional than someone who just seeks novelty all the time. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, extroverted sensing prefers novelty and deals better with chaos in the environment, whereas introverted sensing prefers um, something that is more clear and structured, mm-hmm. something that is more consistent um, mm-hmm. and like stabilized in a way. Right. 
Um, then moving on to intuitive functions, we've got extroverted intuition, a function that deals a lot with emerging patterns, looking at something and saying, well, this could be this, or it could be this, or it could be this. These are all the perspectives that we can have in order to look at something, right? So um, they also like shifting perspectives in such a way that they're interested to see what emerges from there. Mm -hmm. um, a very close friend of mine, an ENTP, she says, I like to see how ideas grow in my mind mm -hmm. because she has a preference for this function. She wants to see how things emerge in terms of the abstract. Right. Because it's a function concerned with the abstract. And those are the people who tend to be so in their head so much and like not very present in the moment because they're constantly coming up with new versions of things or an improved version of uh, systems that they see around them. And they're constantly coming up with new ideas of how things could be, how things mm -hmm. should be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a function that is preoccupied with what if. Mm -hmm. And both extroverted sensing and ex uh, extroverted intuition are concerned with novelty and chaos. Right. But the difference is that extroverted sensing likes chaos in the concrete world, in the physical world, whereas extroverted intuition likes chaos in the mental world, in the abstract, oh. the chaos of ideas. Right. But like, okay, so then who's someone who likes chaos in the world? Like, what does that look like? <laughs> like, what does a person, so, what does a trait like of that person look like? Like an example. So they are better at navigating an environment that has a lot of things going on, oh. like a lot of people, a lot of objects, uh, things that they can do and experience physically mm. as well. So maybe those are sense. the type of people who like to work in really fast-paced job environments. They tend to be naturals in those kind mm -hmm. of environments, yes. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, and then finishing off with a perception or perceiving functions, we've got introverted intuition. This is a function that kind of operates in the opposite way compared to extroverted intuition. So rather than going from one idea and dissociating it into multiple perspectives, it says, well, these are all of the perspectives. Let's kind of narrow things down. Let's create a synergy of the abstract world. Um, it's also a function that is very future-oriented. It likes planning and strategizing, thinking about the long-term future, projecting into the future. Those are like INTJs, ENTJs, uh, people who are, yes. right? People who are good and at INFJs and, INFJs and ENFJs. So those mm -hmm. are people who are good at strategizing because they can kind of like look into the future and put all the details and data around them together and kind of be able to almost predict something mm -hmm. that could happen in the future. And they're good at it too. Yeah, it tends to be this natural future orientation. The good at it depends on how well um, they adjust their extroverted sensing function because they need input from the real world to be able to predict things. But generally, they are very future oriented. They need to know what's the point of something. Where am I heading to? What's mm -hmm. the direction, the goal? Right. Uh, they need to have this clarity in mind. Absolutely. And the last one? Mm -hmm. uh, and then we, we finished off with the, the um, perceiving functions. Um, and in terms of judging functions, so feeling and thinking, mm -hmm. um, we've got extroverted feeling, a function that is very attuned to how other people feel, mm -hmm. very empathetic, right. tends to easily notice how other people are feeling and likes making decisions that create this or maintain social harmony. Mm -hmm. It's very important. Right. Um, Those are the empaths. Those are... Yes. The FJ types particularly. Right. Yeah. I love those people. <laughs> right yeah. okay and um, they tend to be warm right they're they tend to be uh the more selfless people right would you say yeah they're less um, selfish than some other types they definitely appear to be more oh. uh, selfless <laughs> so do you think um that's interesting that you say that so how can how can you like oh yeah 
how how does that happen? Like, how can you appear to be selfless when like these things are embedded in your brain, basically? Um, so what I mean by that is that they do have this like selfless behavior or what we associate right. with selfless behavior. They do things for other people. They prioritize other people's needs. But the question mark that can be around the idea of selfless is that maybe they're doing it because deep down they hope to get love in return or they hope to get appreciation. Right. So it's like they could still have selfish agenda behind the selfless behavior. Mm -hmm. So it's so complex. And it's like, even if you go into all of these and you think you know someone's brain and their personality, there could still be another 10 layers underneath that. Of course. Because yeah. as you said, it's like, yeah, in a case like that, you could be such an empath, you could be so selfless and you could totally be able to behave that way. But then underneath that, you could just still be selfish <laughs> okay and then what's the other one i think that we have one more left uh, so introverted feeling is about um, your own subjective values and truth connecting to who you really are and being authentic with respect to that so what do i really care about what is important to me how am i going to align things with my own truth mm -hmm. what's an example um, um like what's an example of something that like you would see day to day in people who have that function uh, there are people for whom it is very easy to spot when someone is fake. They're mm. going to be like, why are you trying to like please those other people? You should be authentic to yourself and not to what other people are telling you to do. What do you care about? What is important to you really? Well, do that, not what other people think is the right thing to do. I love that. Um, so was that the last one? Uh, no, we still have the uh, thinking functions. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. You're <laughs> the right. Last okay, two. so the thinking, yes. what are the thinking ones? So um, extroverted thinking deals with... Um, evidence, objective evidence in the real world. So these are the TJ types. They want to know what is the evidence that is taking me towards a goal? How can I accomplish the goal in an efficient way by using the data and evidence that I have? Mm. Um, they tend to be very good in managerial positions. Leaders, we often find yeah. them there, leaders um, who follow through with their objectives and goals, specific measurable things. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the last one, introverted thinking is also a thinking function so it's similar it cares about data and objective things but it kind of does it in an opposite fashion so it says well what is the data that i can put in my um, mental framework my mental puzzle so that it makes sense to me in a logical way um, these are the tp types um, entps intps estps istps they're all concerned with fitting things into their mental model um, of what makes sense to them. What is their subjective logic, basically? It sounds weird to put subjective and logic together, but it's right. the way some theories talk about it. Right. And what happens when you're not able to do something like that? When you're trying to fit like the objective logic into your mm -hmm. own subjective mind and your own subjective perspective, and a lot of times they don't fit. Like what happens? Is that when like, let's say like something like cognitive dissonance happens or is it something different? I think it depends a lot on the situation, but I would say that TPs in general, they tend to take a little longer to decide on something. And that's why they're constantly comparing things with what is going on in this framework that they they're have. They're very indecisive too. They can be, yeah. yeah. Whereas TJs with their extroverted thinking are much more decisive. Right. They want to see things happening, moving things forward, basically. Right. I'm a TP and like my biggest nightmare is going to a restaurant that has a menu of many, many pages. Like that... <laughs> is paralyzing to me because i'm like you're giving me so many options and i have to like sit and compare exactly like you said like you said like i will literally imagine each one of the meals in front of me and then like how they would each make me feel <laughs> and like i would like literally compare them and it would take me so long 
<laughs> yeah. I understand. Yeah. It's, it is about, you know, I like to say that uh, TPs in particular, but FJs too, because they also have introverted thinking, they like taking this piece from the outside world and trying to fit it in their puzzle. Yeah. If it doesn't work, they'll either try harder or swap it with something else. Oh. Um, while TJs will be like, well, I don't care. If the source is reliable, I'm going to take the information and move forward, transform right. it into action. Move with the good. Shake it up, stop when the clock gets 13. You've been working.